You may have noticed something about the name Knight Frank, the second of those two words in particular. Frank. We've always prided ourselves on being just that with our clients, and never more so than now. So if you're thinking of selling or letting your home, contact your local Knight Frank office. We'll give you a frank opinion of its value, frank advice on the best pricing strategy, and a frank estimation of how quickly it will sell or let. What else would you expect from Knight Frank, your partners in property? Hello and welcome to At Home With, a podcast in the residential business at Knight Frank. At Home With offers a glimpse inside the lives of some of the world's foremost property experts, their clients and our partners. And every week you'll be hearing conversations with interesting people from across the world about how they made it to where they are today, how they found their dream homes and how we can help you find yours. I'm your host, journalist and social media executive at Knight Frank, Rebecca Hills. Today I'm joined by Kat Zenkovich, a partner in our private office. I absolutely loved my conversation with Katja. She was such a generous and open guest with so many amazing stories to tell. We discussed her experience of moving from Russia to the UK and how this shaped her approach to ambition and adaptability. She gave a fascinating insight into how she worked with her clients from a completely holistic perspective to find their dream homes and why she's had to push herself to find balance in order to avoid burnout. Originally from Moscow, Katja has been based in London for many years, looking after high net worth Russian clients moving to the UK. Prior to moving to Night Frank, she studied for a degree in journalism and worked in marketing and consultancy before setting up her own business to help similar clients with their international moves. Now, as a partner in our private office, Katja works to provide complete residential and commercial real estate advice to private individuals and their families on all aspects of their property assets. She personally facilitates high-profile acquisitions by high-net-worth and ultra-high-net-worth Russian and CIS clients, both in the UK and abroad. Katja, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the podcast. Thank you. Hi, Becky. How are you doing? I'm really well, thank you, really well. Um, hopefully, uh, we were talking a little bit just before then, but hopefully this recording will be more successful than the one we, we tried to do yesterday and tech got in the way. So hopefully it'll be a little bit less stress-inducing this time. How are you getting on? I've just come back from a most amazing uh, viewing. Uh, we were looking at the, really, the trophy estates um, in the countryside. And I have to say, it's probably uh, the first trip. I've, I've done lots of Surrey viewings recently, but it's the first trip where um it wasn't sunny today but it was so springy um it's everything is in sort of very beginning of the blossom and it's so wonderful to see um so I had a very long morning but it has been so wonderful how oh, amazing that's that's such a lovely day to have had and definitely it does feel really springy all of a sudden it was only like a week and a half ago there was snow everywhere and now you're leaving the house without a coat and it feels slightly bizarre and on the topic of going on viewings and doing all that sort of stuff, that's something that's been a bit up in the air over the past year. So how has COVID been impacting your, your personal and your professional life and the way that you interact with clients over the past year? Well, we've had an interesting year, haven't we? Um, we've had the first, the second, the third round. It feels like a boxing match. But it's um, it certainly had been a knockout to us in the first round. Um, and we were shut as an agency. And um, second and third round, we've been working all the way through. But the first lockdown, I do remember um, vividly. It's a year ago. And um, I remember it so well because I 
actually it was it was in March, wasn't it? And the weather was brilliant. And uh, um, I think UK is one of those wonderful countries when the spring starts, it starts full bloom and um, it's really warm. It could be 18, 20 degrees and summers could be worse, but uh, the spring is definitely fantastic. And we couldn't do many viewings and nevertheless, as I say, you know, it's a bit like essential workers. We have to move people. I do remember having a few clients who uh, have had their children as students in various regions of the UK, um, not being able to isolate in the conditions that they thought were appropriate. And um, quite a few of them were buying blind and uh, they want necessarily the cheap apartments uh, in the sense of, you know, a value. And um, it was interesting because we, we've realised if all the conditions are right and if you can do the virtual viewings and if you have a great knowledge about the area and you can communicate the benefits of that particular proposition, whether it is a you know, second-hand home or a new development, um, then deals can happen without people physically being there. So that was an eye-opener. That's so interesting. And it's great to hear that there's been um, obviously movement in the markets, but that you've actually been able to see different trends emerging. And we'll definitely go on to talk about those later on in our conversation. But before we do, I'd like to take things all the way back to the start, to the beginning of your career, even before you you made the decision to move to the UK. And you began your career in consultancy and, and marketing after studying for a degree in journalism. And now you're working in property. And so where did the impetus for, for switching your career come from? And how did you end up where you are today? It's an interesting question, Becky. Uh, indeed, my path to the UK has been uh, interesting because I'm one of the uh, early arrivals, I should say. I came here in 96. And as you rightly so pointed it out, I was uh, working for a um, international uh, advertising agency, Saatchi and Saatchi. I'm sure most of you listeners would know about it. Um, they were one of the uh, first uh, agencies to open in Russia when um, Russia opened its borders. And I was transferred to the UK uh, by these guys to uh, consult and uh, help um, advise on the advertising strategies for international brands coming into Russia, but uh, equally, um, some of the entrepreneurs who uh, happen to grow in, you know, professional businessmen uh, in Russia in the 10 years that I've been in the UK have also uh, reached out to me towards the end of my marketing career uh, to ask me for advice about launching some of the brands in the West. And a lot of these people um, did not limit their advisory that they wanted from me to just um, simple marketing advice. They also wanted to know about the best schools in the UK. They wanted to know um, how to secure a great English Mary Poppins type nanny and um, they wanted to know how to open accounts they basically had loads and loads of relocation advice even if it wasn't necessarily the plan to come to the UK immediately they just wanted to gear up towards the life in the west so I became this kind of conduit for a very successful Russian elite that were interested in, in doing business outside of the Russian borders. Um, and at some point, I mean, initially, as it always does, and I'm sure um, you've heard this before, I think um, Fred Lilo's dad uh, started his business in a very similar fashion. Um, they came for advice to start with, but eventually when the numbers grow so high, you'll realize this is a kind of a side business to my 
our consultancy, which is very much about relocation and um, advisory service about moving to the West in general. And I quickly thought that that was a possibility and it was a flourishing business. And I was doing this with Knight Frank for probably about five years before I joined Knight Frank. And I'm just pleased that I've met the most remarkable uh, proprietary partners in the business, the head of London, the head of international, who were advisors to me. And I appreciated how much Knight Frank could do uh, as a sort of joined up business for ultra high networks. And when they invited me to join their ranks, I signed up. Mm, that's such an interesting trajectory. And something that I picked out there from, from what you were saying was this kind of thread of adaptability and would you say that you're naturally quite an adaptable person that you, we obviously will talk about this, but you you moved from, from Russia to the UK, which for a lot of people could be quite a, an overwhelming experience or just generally moving countries isn't easy. And obviously you were doing the, the consultancy for other people, but the experience of moving yourself is is never going to be a straightforward experience. But do you think that in order to to move seamlessly from, from one career to the other and and adapt along the way and and make the most of, of the client base that you developed almost organically, over your, your spell being in England. Do you think that that it comes from the fact that you're naturally quite an adaptable person or was that something that you, you learned how to be as a result of everything you were doing and a, as a result of everything that was coming up for you? I think there are two different things. I think there is one thing is about being entrepreneurial and being a self-starter. And there is another thing about being adaptable. To be absolutely honest with you, I think I've learned adaptability being in the UK uh, because I think you do need to adapt to the society that you live in and certainly my natural characteristics would be a lot more aligned with European or American if you wish Um, but a self-starter kind of mentality which I've inherited just being a child of perestroika where you know every other system was crumbling around you and you really needed to put yourself forward Um, you, you didn't even if you had the family and I come from a diplomatic family you know I had the advantage that they've given me in terms of languages but the whole system and infrastructure was crumbling around me. So your kind of elite society couldn't really give you a head start. So I would say that you've got to have the hunger uh, and you've got to have the determination and you've got to have the drive. But that's just my way. You know, that's probably what made me want to see the world, that what made me want to carve the piece of you know business for myself. And um, there are other types of people who are a lot more diplomatic. And I think that's what the, the English are really famous for. You know, you would melt into the society that you um, uh, come into and you would probably take your small niche and you know kind of wouldn't conquer it you will <laughs> you will adopt and, and grow and learn whatever there are different ways the one thing I would say is if you have an ambition to do something you've got to go for it you've got to try uh, and a lot of the time you've got to persist with it because uh, no matter how um, amazing the first experience is, you are bound to come up uh, against some of the uh, challenges. I mean, I remember my first boyfriend, funnily enough, was English. And um, 
I kid you not, um, he was a graduate of Stowe and I picked him up nearly on the streets of Moscow wearing a very thin coat um, and, and kind of being very lonely and getting on very well in terms of his education in, uh, in whatever English club that uh, he was attending in the Moscow State University, but not being able to sort of break into uh, the wider Russian society. And it, it only took, you know, two or three introductions. He flourished. And, and finally enough, that story ended up with me being invited to come to the UK, me traveling to the UK, him coming back to the UK and then us separating because he wanted to go back to Russia. That's a great, I think, example of ambitions that different people have. He was very sort of uh, settled in the UK and that wasn't challenging enough for him. I was all craving the Western experience and he's had everything that he needed uh, back in Russia. So, you know, it's um, each to their own, as they say. Mm, absolutely. And and you spoke there of kind of persisting through through challenges and how it's actually you were almost looking for that challenge when you moved to the UK is that something that you thrive on do you thrive on things that when they're not necessarily served up to you on a plate and when things don't necessarily come easy to you do you find that there's actually when something is not necessarily going to be as straightforward as you you think it's going to be or something does pose that challenge you you thrive in that in that situation more absolutely I think to detriment of myself um good is not good enough I think is the principle that I operate on uh, I certainly invite a lot more problems uh, in my own life than they need to be my husband would tell you um, yeah I am just somebody who is going to go an extra mile and for better or worse um, you know my clients are that demanding and I think um, but reflecting back in my career, whether I was doing journalism, marketing, or uh, sort of using my skill set in this career in property, to me, uncovering something that is unexpected, that is going to delight my clients, that is not obvious, um, it, it is what gets me ticking. Um, it isn't always possible, of course, you know, we can't create something that doesn't exist but trying to understand what my clients are looking for and finding um and not the most obvious answer in sometimes helping them to understand better what it is that they're looking for is what I would say is my know-how mm, and that almost perfectionism that you alluded to there do you find that and you said that sometimes it's to your detriment that you you work so hard and you always go the extra mile does that perfectionism and that almost subscription to, to almost hustle culture and and wanting to be the absolute best you can possibly do and, and do the best for your clients does that have an impact on your on your mental health in either a positive or, or, or a negative way <laughs> um oh well that's a very very telling question. Um, yes, uh, I absolutely uh, think that it, 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 it does come at a price. Um, I think the focus that we have at the private office uh, on servicing our clients um, who are, of course, um, uh, used to, I think, you know, being surrounded with a lot of attention has its drawbacks. Um, I do not have a normal hours. I do not have an office per se. I think it doesn't it's not about the culture of hassle. It's not about calling every uh, agent in the world trying to find the right property for your clients from the notional point of view. It's not about square meters. It's not about, um, I don't know, a particular location. A lot of the time, it's about spending time with your client to understand 
what it is that they actually enjoy doing. It is about understanding their lifestyle, but also it's about understanding how they live. I mean, at the moment, what absolutely um, is stonking obvious, our customers are getting younger and, and um, I'm delighted. What my new challenge uh, is, is it, it's a new wealth. It's the dot-com guys. Um, it's the entrepreneurs in a true sense so that come from, you know, some of the most unexpected places and they don't want to change. I think, you know, it's, it's quite amazing to look at some of um, the clients that are younger than me, um, aiming to have big families, aiming to think ahead about not just the size of the property, but actually uh, it's about how ergonomically they live in that environment. And it, it's quite interesting to see, uh, obviously, things are the way they are because historically they've been proven to work in a certain way. But it's also really interesting to work with some of the architects and designers who are willing to listen to this sort of younger generation, which are a lot pared down and a lot more basic in the sense of, you know, not expecting the grandeur, but they're expecting certain other valuable things that are their particular journeys in life. And and, and that's what you know, uh, makes you tick because it's not an obvious answer. It's not a hassle. It's about listening. It's about understanding. It's about advising them then in a way of, okay, there is a little bit of an education in terms of uh, what's, good investment and what isn't uh, but it's also about going through this journey with them and I think that's what's going to get us truly into a, a new era of property uh, which is which is fascinating. Mm, that's such a fascinating take on it actually and I really like the point you made about how it's about listening and creating this more holistic experience for your client and and working out exactly what they want rather than just as you said, hustling and trying to just get the deal done and get all that sort of stuff done. And actually that has a positive impact on your mental health because it allows you to, to learn from them and not see it so much as this, this end point, but about the experience itself. And, and how is it that you go about in your, in your personal life incorporating that balance so that you, you don't burn out and that you're able to then listen to your clients and that you, you have that more balanced experience for yourself? <laughs> Thank you for asking, Becky. Um, I feel sometimes that I'm the older one in the team. Um, I'm certainly not the oldest, uh, I'm happy to say, but I, I work with a lot of younger guys and um, I am watching them, certainly last year has been very fruitful from the baby's uh, point of view. A lot of them had first, first um, children. It, it is a very easy thing to lose sight of. Uh, it's something that we are very conscious of at the moment, um, not just at the private office, but at Night Frank in general, because we have, unlike most people who had the most busy and the most successful year, it's contrary contrasting to the mood and uh, a state of the general society and uh, we don't want to pride on that in a sense of your, you know you, you, you want to be proud of it but you don't really want to moan about how tired you are of running around and doing things and it, it's just it, it goes against the flow but on the other hand I think one has to be honest that we absolutely needed the Christmas break because we've been busier than ever. We've beaten every record known tonight, Frank, in the past 125 years. We're going to be in the business this year. Um, so you've got to be open about it. And when I talk to my younger um, colleagues, uh, they sort of go, yeah, absolutely, extra 20%. Uh, you know, we're going to get there. We, you know, there's a drive, there's motivation, and that's phenomenal. But 
honestly, uh, I've been doing it nearly 10 years and you do feel the burnout because you do, you know, you, you, you collect it uh, year on year, year on year, you know, you are eating out of your own resources. But at the same time, I, what's the recommendations? I suppose I, I, you know, I have a child who is um, a school age. So I think the natural breaks that the school recommends are a totally applicable to us. Um, and I certainly see from my then older colleagues how absolutely um, dedicated they are to taking the time with the family during the um, holidays, uh, the, the breaks, and how they don't just do the kind of your sit on the beach kind of holidays. There is also interesting places to go to because I think we certainly in, in, the, in, in our industry are... Uh, very lucky we have so many things that we see we, we are not starving uh, in terms of beautiful sceneries beautiful houses beautiful places beautiful people beautiful everything but the, the path of discovery refreshing and learning something new a lot of the time is about going you know different places and and um learning something new so I didn't appreciate 10 years ago when I joined Night Frank um, how important it was to have self-challenges which are personal to you I could not understand why so many of my colleagues were climbing Everest running marathons doing something for their personal development um, but now I totally understand that's the way of surviving because you kind of need to build the stamina uh, through doing things for yourself and if you can do them from the also kind of benefit to the bigger society, because we are big on charities and supporting uh, wider communities, we do the sort of fundraising yeah, every year or every two years. And um, you've got to dedicate your time outside of your work for your personal development, but benefiting other people in the community. And that could be uh, combined and it does work phenomenally well. If you're thinking that every place that you touch, uh, like I would live in Notting Hill, you know, I, the community of school and what we can do for them, the kind of uh, support of the charities that uh, Night Frank or you personally support. If you can link it all in one some sort of a wonderful ecosystem that it does good for your heart as well as for the better of the community. And then maybe those sort of challenging times that you have in terms of being run down um, are actually working themselves out because what you give is what you get. Mm, yeah, no, completely. And I, I really appreciate the 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 candidness of your answer there and how you said that it it wasn't always something that, that came naturally to you and that 10 years ago you weren't necessarily looking at success in a multifaceted way it was what you were kind of achieving and not really looking at the personal development stuff because I think so often personal development people either see it as something that's a chore that they have to do to kind of tick a few boxes so that they get get to the next stage or they just they use it and they almost abuse it and so I think it's really healthy to look at it as a way of of building stamina and doing something for yourself and and finding that that balance but balance more than just on paper so it's it's feeling that success and that fulfillment and to to veer away from that ever so slightly and, and bring us back on to, to, to your property career in particular. We have a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are wanting to get into the industry and are considering a career in property. And I'm sure just listening to, to the things that you've done and, and looking at what you've achieved throughout your career, people would be incredibly inspired to, to hear what the, the biggest lessons you've been in your career so far. And, and kind of on top of that, what advice you would give to someone else looking to do something similar? 
I am a greatest supporter and believer of, uh, of the Knight Frank uh, grads program. Uh, to me, it's an invaluable tool because it gives you access to the whole of the property world. I think we have a phenomenal number of service lines within Knight Frank. I mean, the, the, the pure reason I exist is because sometimes I'm a conduit to all of this sort of machine that is behind my back, that is enabling uh, people to... Uh, answer any kind of uh, requirement that they have in terms of property whether it is a moving house uh, from one street to the other and having a you know relocation uh, van or whether it is moving your private office from one country to the next and um, so I think what's crucial to graduates uh, not just an understanding I mean if you have passion for private uh, sorry for uh, property phenomenal and you should pursue it but understanding which bit of it uh, which slice of it is yours you kind of need to taste all of those cakes you're not going to choose one uh for your wedding you're going to go through various catering services and kind of go i like this i don't like this and it's exactly the same when you're choosing your career i think um, you've got to be focused on what it is that makes you tick um, and what you think is going to you know go a long way um so i think the grads program that we have is giving you that flavor of the world of property, which is so multifaceted, um, that you can have a taste of that and then decide uh, where you feel um, both your aspirations and your abilities are going to make a, a, an ultimate success. It is a shame when people kind of narrow their mind of, oh, yes, I walked into the high street. I didn't know what to do with myself. I tried to do lettings for a bit and it's too busy and it doesn't pay enough money. And I walked out of property thinking this is, you know, the stereotype of a sweatshop. Um, I don't think we work that way. So I think that's, that's a very helpful kind of thing and it's not the latest as as a lot of people think um it does help to have perhaps some sort of a, a connection tonight frank whether you will volunteer to do something with us or you know uh, we do occasional internship programs uh it is good to get some sort of a connection tonight frank to start with i'm sure it will be very helpful to those of you guys uh, to just get on that uh, front foot but it is open to everyone and it, it's it's a it's a it's a really let's put it this way uh, I would have wanted to start there <laughs> mm, I think that's such valuable advice I think people will find that so useful I mean even just listening myself I found that really useful because it is all about not not narrowing yourself as you say and testing out lots of different things I always use the anecdote of kind of politicians because I did a politics degree and so often you see this new generation of politicians where they've worked in a research department and then they've been given a safe seat and then that's how they become a politician and then they're they're done almost by 40. And it's the same with any industry. You do sometimes need to go and try lots of different things in order to get you to a place where A, you're happy with what you're doing and B, you're actually good at what you're doing. And I think that's quite a natural segue into talking about the private office, because obviously, as you've alluded to a few times, your your role in the private office is to is to help your clients achieve that sort of holistic approach to finding a property. So looking at the area, looking at all the other things that come into a, a property purchase. And so for you, what would you say is is the kind of the best thing about working in the private office? And for those of our listeners who, who don't know what the private office is, would you be able to give us a little bit more information on, on what you do? and the practicalities of what your role is. I think there's a lot of clever words that I could say, and I am always 
able to send you a brochure about um, more tight description about what we do. To me, uh, and, and I suppose it's how I position myself to the clients. I am the one stop shop to the night frank uh, you know that's open window which um you will scream your needs whatever they might be whether they are commercial residential lettings buying developing help i suppose is is, is where most people um really start with i i sit on a lot of um well actually that's what they call help groups um if you look at my phone i think i'm on about 10 15 whatsapp groups for the russians the americans the notting hillies uh the, the belgravia sort of communities of this world and so many questions that start with property actually end up somewhere else. And, and that's what we do. We're really a conduit to a new place that you're moving to. There's only going to be so many experiences in your life when you are absolutely going to approve yourself and end up in a different place. And it could be a couple of streets down. And in which case, you know, there is a wonderful night frank person who is going to tell you that that butcher is probably no longer relevant and you should look at that one but a lot of the clients that i'm dealing with are moving countries with a family with the kids with the nannies with a whole entourage of other things and you know simple things of um how do i go about and you could put question mark question mark question mark behind that and and add a whole string of different questions we tend to start it doesn't really matter whether they're getting from russia nigeria america or somewhere else we tend to start with a need why they're coming over here and then it's going to be a myriad of things uh, that are going to lead from there it could be and as most of my clients do um moving to the uk uh, let's take a mum. It could be uh, she is moving here for educational reasons of her children. She wants to know how far from the school she could live. And, you know, understanding of distances in every country is uh, stupendously different. Russia, India, America, long distances, driving half an hour to school not a problem for them. They're totally lost. They want to be in a school in Knightsbridge. They are looking at Surrey. You've got to have to explain that's probably not going to be very, very friendly to your children um, because they're not going to have the community that the British children are used to. So you're educating them about that process. You're probably finding them that very safe, wonderful place where they can rent for a couple of years before they're going to move on to buying places. Then you are looking around with them in terms of thinking about bigger things. Now we've resolved the question about education we're going to have to think about what is it that the husband is doing and where he wants to move his family office so we're going to have to put our commercial rental guys into place uh, or acquisition commercial guys into place to find the you know the good office for the for the gentleman uh, then we're thinking about relocating over here your Aspen is not going to be your skiing destination this year you're probably going to be looking at the sea or the mountains closer to home so you know uh, thinking about what are the country in a broader sense of the word, right? Holiday, let's say, homes that you're going to be considering. And then the next thing, we're talking to them about their portfolio of properties and valuation of those and, you know, um, looking at 
the best advice we can possibly give them uh, in relation to working with their bankers, lawyers, uh, you know, whatever other support that they have in terms of figuring out what's the best um, portfolio strategy that they have and whether it is about selling certain things and acquiring certain things. At, at the end of the day, we really are at the kind of forefront of um, changing lives of the families, the private clients that we're looking for. So what does private office do? Accommodate a comfortable, private, as much as the business kind of lifestyle of people who have more diverse needs than some of us who are you know, limited to a flat in Notting Hill and uh, going to a local school. Mm, that's so interesting and it's it's great to hear just how diverse the sort of things that you're doing and how many things you have to consider and and something that links quite nicely into that is that we're on the on the precipice of launching the 2021 edition of our wealth report which is our flagship publication um looking at all different types of wealth trends and it's an incredibly research dense publication and is so useful for our clients and and obviously research and and being at the very forefront of the markets and knowing what's going on is, is hugely important um working in the private office and so for you how is the wealth report a a useful tool and and how have you used it throughout your your time in the private office to to help your clients with their property decisions i come from a marketing background and um for me having one company uh having a marketing tool like uh the wealth report is, is an astonishing achievement not only because we've got this uh, fundamentally amazing knowledge and know-how and access to these ultra high net worths and the high net worths um who are willing to talk to us we we, we don't just sort of um put some theoretical ideas about their lives we research it properly we have the whole wonderful system where we reach out to these people individually or through some of their advisory boards whether it's bankers or lawyers or family offices whatever it might be giving us a pulse of what they're thinking what they're doing that gives us an most astonishing tool of prognosis about how the wealth feels, uh, what they're going to do, what they're going to invest on, what's the new trends. And we also, you know, we're not an exclusive kind of uh, proprietor of that. We have a club of other um, people who facilitate the life of these ultra high networks, whether it's banks or private jet companies, and we take a temperature and a measure of what uh, is happening with them. So we really do have a most holistic 360 degree view of where these people are going, what are they investing in, what interests them. To me, it is a, a most a phenomenal advertising tool, the most quoted publication, I think, uh, from the journalistic point of view. So it is certainly a tool that uh, other people know how to use, but I think within the company, we're quite shy. <laughs> Wealth is a difficult point of conversation. Um, and so, you know, we don't want to brag about it, but certainly when I talk to some of my clients and I offer them uh, a magazine, which which looks like, a, you know, sort of a coffee table, 
people think. They are fascinated because they understand we're not a transactional company. We're not just about buying and selling. We're about understanding who they are. We're about understanding what bothers them. Uh, we can have an intelligent conversation, us as individuals at Night Frank, on so many levels uh, that I think sometimes they are surprised. So it is, uh, to me, a precious tool that sets us apart from every other uh, property agent in the world. To, to bring us back on to, to you and, and your personal property experiences and your personal property journey, something that our listeners are always really keen to know about is your home and to get a bit more of an insight into you through, through where you live and where you chose to live. So would you mind telling us a little bit more about, about your home and what it was that sold it to you and, and why you chose the area that you currently live in? Well, it's a funny story. It's so funny on many levels. And uh, I think you, you've mentioned we tried to do this interview another day and uh, it would be a very different story that I will tell you today. Uh, just to be uh, more interesting, um, we have had a um, conversation with my husband. Uh, I was pregnant. We were getting together. He had a previous family in South London. I was very much a West London girl. We were trying to figure out uh, obviously where would be the most comfortable place between us and um, I think what we underestimated is differences in culture um, he was very much uh, an Englishman who has already had uh, his first family and a great experience in, in South London I was very much an international um, who felt at home in the buzzy world of Notting Hill and also was a little bit scared of a you know faraway land across the bridge um, but it, it was and has been a very interesting um, experience of molding this as, as the family developed as well. Uh, I certainly feel that I was a little bit arrogant and I certainly could understand what he was advising me on was better value, better lifestyle for the Brits. I was obviously advocating a little bit more fun, a little bit more sort of a familiar lifestyle in um, in one of the most sort of prime central London kind of things. It really does depend, um, I, I suppose, um, what stage of life you're in. And I think I won the argument. We stayed in, in, in West London. Uh, with the hindsight, I think I would have wanted to spend my last five years in South London. I think I would have had a much more comfortable lifestyle there, fitting in with, once again, what fits me. You know, I like to integrate with the society. And, and so I think I would have had a much nicer life uh, being amongst the British and, and, and kind of having a sense of normality. In a way, what I chose was, I am very much in the land of my clients. It's uh, it's a very aspirational world. It is a very competitive world. And it, it is enjoyable to be totally in the know of how they live, what is happening, advising them every time at every turn of you know, what stresses they're going through. But I'm testing it on me. <laughs> <laughs> which um, I think the Russians say is a fool's job. You should learn from other people. <laughs> no, that's so interesting. And I think sometimes I feel like you do need to learn through your own experiences, though, because sometimes just having somebody tell you their perspective on it, you, it's always something in the back of your mind that's niggling and you're like, oh, but 
am I right on this? And I think sometimes you do have to, to make those own decisions and also then being like having the, the, the absence of ego and a bit of humility to be like, actually, I may be wrong on this, but sometimes you do have to go through it in order to, in order to actually understand it. And when you look back on, on the course of your career and all the incredible things you've done and incredible experiences you had, are there any particular moments that really, really stick out in your mind and that you reflect back on a lot and think of very fondly and think that was such an amazing experience to have had? Becky, that's just such a great question. Um, I think what I praise myself the most, it's about building the, the sort of meaningful connections with people because, you know, you can sell the property for the highest price per square foot or the most amazing amount of money. Um, but what really matters is, is, is my clients that come back to me and um, sometimes they ask about finding them the property somewhere else. But sometimes they just ask, like today, how's my daughter doing? What lessons have I learned about 11 plus exams? I absolutely pride myself on staying friends with uh with the clients that i have and and what that allows me to do is exactly what private office is set up to do having conversations about what other interests these people have in life and and today we're looking for this wonderful or this morning we were looking for this wonderful uh country property but we're also uh with my client who lives not too far from me uh in a much much bigger house uh we're looking for a yoga studio because we, we found that this is the passion that we both have and uh she's so much better i didn't realize she had a whole immense following on uh, instagram about her um healthy living and everything else and absolutely we should all benefit from it and find her a yoga studio in the area that I will enjoy going to. Mm, I love that and I I think the thing that shines through in, in all of your answers is just this, this like absolute passion for people and seeing it as so much more than just an, an on-paper transaction it ultimately it feels like everything just comes back to creating the best client experience as possible and actually having like meaningful connections with people which is so refreshing to hear and I think people will really see property and the private office and how we interact with people in such a different way as a result of what you've been talking about. And so to, to bring us to a close on this conversation, we, we do a quick fire round. And the first question of which is city or country? Both. Um, I am so fortunate as a child of Moscow. You, you have a bit like Italians in Milano. I always think Milano and Moscow are so alike. You've got to have a city apartment and then you've got to have a country house. I mean, you've got to get away for the weekend. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the dream. Um, classic or contemporary? classic timeless really uh but more classic than contemporary penthouse or townhouse oh it depends where it is um one's world is an oyster in london definitely townhouse uh, i think it's meant to be uh that kind of living it's it's not a very tall skyline uh new york penthouse of course cool or email cool there is no way of getting to the depths of personalities, conversations, pathways, imagination. Uh, you can make a statement on an email, but you can you know, open the world or, on a conversation. Office or working from home? Anywhere. I think office was a provider of uh, good connections. I, and that I do mean genuinely, not just internet. Um, you talk to your, to your office um, teams very well. But I think the last year taught us that 
we can do that uh, remotely anyway. But for me, you know, I jump on the plane as I, I'm on EasyJet waiting for the takeoff uh, whilst my private jet clients, private jet is, is, is taking off somewhere else and I'm still talking to them. It doesn't really matter where you are. It's an ability to communicate. I think that's what matters. Mm, I love that. Instagram or LinkedIn? Instagram. You get a sense of who the people are on Instagram. Uh, and it's not about the amount of followings. It's about getting a feel for who these people are and and, and a picture or oh, sorry, a story behind the picture probably. Walk or run? I walk so fast. It's one and the same. <laughs> and finally, Russia or the UK? Oh, again, I'm so sorry. I'm not giving you definitive answers. I'm a mixture of both. I mean, I'm very much a, a Russian. I think my husband would say I fooled him. Uh, I came across as a very British Russian, but now he knows that my soul is definitely very Russian. Um, yeah. A mixture of both. I've, I've now done 20, 20, oh, sorry, not 20, uh, half and a half. Uh, sorry, that's my age, 40. So 20, 20, <laughs> half and a half uh, in both countries. So yeah, I'm truly a product of both. Brilliant. And the final question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast is now that we're in our 125th year as Night Frank, what does being a partner in property mean to you? Partner in property, I suppose, is someone who really does give you the best of advice. Amazing. Katya, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of At Home With. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love it if you shared this episode on social media and please check out the show notes for more information. I'll be back next Wednesday with another exciting episode.